VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with Goals. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week we have a full studio, as you can hear from Tony Cascarino turning the pages of his newspaper. No, I don't want to embarrass him by mentioning what newspaper he is uh, reading right now. We also have Matt Hughes, who's made the long, long trip from far, far west London. Uh, Matt, did you run here today? I didn't. I got the train in the tube. How civilized. And making his uh, trek into town from far, far north London, it's Julian Lawrence. Now that the title has been taken care of, we'll be discussing the race for Champions League, plus the situation down at the bottom of the table, and the usual quick hits. And also, how about a bit of Liverpool and some Europa League love as well? Right, Manchester City and Arsenal. I thought originally this was going to be some kind of playoff for, for third place or second place, maybe maybe even for the title a while back, uh, before Leicester turned convention and the universe on its head. Instead, this was a game where... City needed a result to basically stay in the top four and make sure that Pep had some Champions League football to look forward to. Instead, Husey, he doesn't. City no longer control their destiny. No, they don't. Um, and I think it will be decided tomorrow at Upton Park, really. I can't see United losing to Bournemouth at home on the last day of the season. So I think if they beat West Ham tomorrow, they've got an outstanding chance of being in the Champions League, which would be hilarious on many levels. But Louis van Gaal might stay at Old Trafford, which I know Julien would be delighted to, uh, yeah, to see. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll get to that part. But looking at the uh, at the game itself, obviously City take an early lead. Uh, then uh, Arsenal equalise with, with Giroud, who... I don't believe was being marked by by anybody at that stage. <laughs> Julian, actually, you like giving technical analyses yeah. of centre forward movement, and uh, Cass, you were a centre forward who moved sometimes. <laughs> Can you guys just run me through what Giroud the, did there it's, and what the City defence did not do? Because I thought it was pretty staggering. It's very easy. Giroud hasn't scored for fifteen games. Yeah, Mangala, his friend from France. So come on, my friend. You know I, w- I want you to get back into confidence before the Euro is important for us. So I'm going to let you score a goal. So Mangala pretends, pretends that he's marking him on the corner. He says to all his City teammates, "I've got Giroud. Giroud is mine." And then, very cleverly, to help France winning the Euros, he just lets Giroud score. Because apart from thin air, I don't know what Eliakim Mangala was marking on that corner. No. Cass, can you explain that? I, mean, oh. I presume you don't fully... Well, it's an absolute dream for a centre-forward if you know your centre-half is going to give you an amount of room to find space to be on the end of a chance. It's a, if, you have a, if you're on a bad run and you're struggling, and you're, you're, not, you're going to snatch at certain chances. It's inevitable that that's just the human way of thinking. And then you have a centre-half like Mangala 
who loses you and gives you the best opportunity you can dream of to score a goal. That's exactly what Mangala did. And Giroud probably couldn't have asked for a better chance, could he? To be given to him. Are we 100% to, certain that it was Mangala? Yes, not? absolutely. Mangala's marked the thing before is, that. The thing is, and I think, I don't want to, to try to defend Mangala because I think he is dreadful, but it's, I think it's harder than people think to mark a striker on a corner. The striker is obviously facing where the ball is coming, right? That's mm-hmm. what Giroud did. Giroud is always looking at the ball. The defender, whoever that is, Mangala, you, me, Cass, everybody, Matt, has to look at, you know, watch the ball, watch the player, watch the ball, watch the player. You can't use your arm to make sure you know where the player is because you could yeah, be a penalty against you. So it's, 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 it is tricky. It's, it's, it's obviously more difficult to mark than to be marked. See, I, I, I would look at that and I'd go, how many headers of the ball would you be fearful of in the Arsenal team? You're probably looking at Giroud, Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now you put your best. Really. Yeah. Okay. But, but I would say them two are the main threats in the air. Now it's quite simple. If you keep Giroud, I used to be in hate being marked very tight, and I'm just in front of the defender because they know when that ball's delivered. Even if I've got half a yard, I might get the quick. That's got to be the perfect delivery, and they can also attack you and the ball. But if you get behind somebody or you just slightly lose your your opponent. It's so much easier for them to score. Mangala yeah. never gets close enough to him. No, that's true. And the right side of him to stop him scoring. No, that's true. I just think it is it is it is difficult to mark someone as you It's a lot harder to, it is to harder, score. Really. It's you a lot see harder people, to score. And you saw the reaction yesterday on social media and everything of people saying, Oh Mangala this, Mangala. I know it's his job to defend well, but it is it is it is a difficult task, you know, for any defender to mark Tall strikers on the corner. <laughs> I mean, Not really. I, I, I'm just going to no. move on from this because I, I find this. I just find this absurd. Uh, that you coming out with this like it's a difficult task thing. It is. He is one of the best players in the world at his position, right? In terms of like I know I know we can all joke about how bad he is, right? Yeah, but but yeah. He is. He is athletic. He does this. He's a professional. He does this for a living. You know what? I don't mind if. Giroud beats you to the air, beats you in the air because Giroud's big and strong and mm. clearly a lot more intelligent than you are. I believe he has a <laughs> he has a university degree from the University of it, Grenoble it, as well, which I'm pretty sure Magalhães does not. No, but when you don't even get get close to him, <laughs> when you have the England goalkeeper and Otamendi and all these supposed leaders defensively, and nobody thinks to shout. Or maybe they did, and Mangala ignored them. I don't know. Maybe it was earwax. I, I it just when you see these things, you kind of you kind of lose faith. I, you expect them to be at least in in the same in the same zip code, no? That's I, why it's but, a French, but that, it's a but French conspiracy. It's, it's that, all up to do with the France. That to me is typical of what Man City are as a as their season, where they feel to me they're a club. They go in, try and go home. There's no preparation. There's no set organisation of, of a corner or a set piece. Right, because well, that was quite clear. Mangala isn't even close to him. Surely it's an obvious direction that you say to someone, Giroud's your man from a corner. You're responsible right. for Giroud. Well, this leads us into, if you're saying like, I mean, I, I like that description. You know, City are a club where people come in, train and go home. And City have a manager who manages and he maybe felt a little bit undermined, usually back in January when, you know, it became obvious that he wasn't going to be around. How much of this and, and, and this sort of late season meltdown and those horrendous performances in the Champions League, how much of that is on this charming man? A lot of it is. They haven't moved on. Mancini was sacked for winning a league and a cup in three or four years. Pellegrini's won a league and two league cups in over that time, but they haven't really progressed. I think City have been treading water for much longer than that. They haven't really 
advanced since the first season when they won the title. Well, on the back of that, I, I want to throw this out there as a, as a possibility, and, and it has pros and cons, but in some countries, like Italy, like Spain, like Germany, you have a director of football who's a very, very visible presence. He talks to the media, he, he speaks to the squad, he's often at the training ground. He's kind of like an alternative coach. In this country where there's the cult of the super manager, that's often seen as interference. And it can be an in- interference. I mean, we've certainly seen that many times in other countries. Uh, or, or worse, interference from the owner or the chairman or whatever. But I wonder in this case, especially given Pellegrini's personality, is the fact that most of this country has no idea what Chiki Bagiristein looks like. <laughs> no, seriously. I, I, for those who don't know, he was an extremely talented winger for Barcelona and other teams. He's, this is a guy who administered one of the biggest budgets in world football, who is a football man, who comes from a, a winning football culture at Barcelona, both as a player and as an official. With the benefit of hindsight, would we have been better off if this guy had been a little more visible rather than just being left in his recruitment box? Yeah, it just doesn't work like that over here. It's just not in the culture. I think it no. suits the clubs to have one guy as a figurehead and then if it doesn't work, it's the four guy. We see it all sorts of other clubs, you know. Mm. We, it's kind of gone halfway towards the continental system whereby the club by the players, mm. but we haven't gone a step further see, I, whereby th- they are, they're accountable. We look at Emanalo at Chelsea, he's very powerful, but we rarely ever hear from him. City, Man United is a total vacuum. We never hear from anyone on the board ever. Mm. There is nobody on the board except for the Glazers who <laughs> yeah, don't. But we don't speak even hear from Ed Woodward. You know, he, he, well, just, he always, I think he's always talking. Not anymore. Not, not, public, not after the David Moyes debacle. <laughs> See, can I just say something? There is definitely some sort of breakdown between the the guy who's responsible for the budget the recruitment who you just spoke about and the manager. But one thing's glaringly obvious to me. I just look at that group of players and I go, not fit. Now, it's an easy throwaway comment to say they're not fit. But when I see Wilfred Boney come on and look like he can't move, I see Fabian Delph, similar, when he plays, he can't run around. Sammy Nasri's not played hardly at all. He was walking at Southampton. Yoyal Toure, that is a group of players across the board and not fit enough. And well, I could go on and name a few more. It's but, not just see, them. This is what I'm getting on. There's right? a breakdown. So has to be. Pellegrini has an enormous staff yeah. of sports science and all these people, right? Many of them appointed by the club, right? I presume these people answer to Bagiristein. I presume he's not just Mr. Recruitment, and or and, and they, they answer to Bagiristein and to uh, and to Ferran. So, if that's the case, especially when you got a manager who might be a little bit undermined because of because of what's happened. A guy who, you know, is older, a guy who doesn't strike you as, he's not some sort of maniacal Mancini, Mourinho type. I mean, if you have a Mancini or a Mourinho, sure, then you don't want somebody going out and being visible. Because because then, then it'll just lead to conflict. And you want the guy hiding in his office, right? I don't know. I, I just wonder, they pay Bagiristein a lot of money. I don't think his signings have been anything to write home about over the last three years. But he does have a wealth of football knowledge and football culture, and, and maybe he could have been he could have been more visible. I want to move on to to Arsenal. Um, well, first of all, is you, did we know the extent of his injury? Is he going to be around? I, yeah. Is he done with the Euros? <clears throat> no, I, I don't. He's going to be going on holiday with Vincent Company. I hope not. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I thought he was he was quite a bit last night when I, I spoke to him. Although I don't know yet exactly what the the whole thing is. But I was very happy that he scored, and especially the assist. I thought he was a. A hell of a ball that he gave Alexis Sanchez, and not—I know he's mm. not. A lot of Arsenal fans don't like him anymore, and there's a lot of criticism over him, and I understand that. 
But that flick, that one-two with Alexis, not many strikers can do that. And yes, he can't maybe score 35 goals a season, but he can do things like that. Are Arsenal going to finish second? Yeah. No. You making a face? <laughs> no, no, no. I know I can't, as well. I can't not. see Tottenham losing at Newcastle. But I, no. I, I know. I know we live in a world of knee jerks. It just it did strike me right in the year of the protests and everything. If Arsenal do finish second or 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 really really close in third place, does Wenger then come out and use <laughs> is this some kind of Wenger vindication? Or not, not if he's got any brains. It doesn't matter. I, it matters a lot for Tottenham fans, and it would make Arsenal fans. Uh, feel good about themselves briefly, but Arsenal fans, if they're honest, will look at them the season and think this is a failure. Set, a top, Tottenham finishing second is a success. Even though they finished ahead of all the other big clubs? Yeah, hmm. of course it is. Look at the points total. Look at the fact that Leicester will win the league by 10 points. Well, they're 10 points clear this morning. There's still it's one some, more game it's, to it's go. It's embarrassing yeah. for us. But Arsenal. they finished ahead of all the other big clubs. Yeah, but they, and, they, and, and all the other big clubs have changed their managers. Mm. Right. That, 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 that is rather ominous. Finally, top four, it's City, it's Manchester United. Uh, obviously, you know what's coming. Predictions. This game again on Wednesday. <laughs> it's game against uh, midweek against um, West, West Ham, Ham, the World Cup winners. Uh, is obviously huge. I'll start with you, Julian, since you didn't make a face when I asked for a prediction the way Hughesy did. I, th- I think West Ham will beat United. It's the last game at Upton Park, Bowling Ground. There's, there's no way they're not going to win this. So I think City will finish fourth. Mm. They go to Swansea, don't they? Man City yeah. in the last game. Um, Swansea are absolutely flying <laughs> with my man Guido I, I, I think City will beat Swansea because I think they're the perfect fit for loving beautiful football and I think City will win there I think they'll get the third a uh, full spot if I don't United, think United win the two games no but okay, I don't think United critical. will win at Upton Park okay. I'm going to back United just because I think it would be hilarious <laughs> based on it's nothing else and West Ham do seem to have checked out for the season Right, Sunderland and Chelsea. Now, Big Sam uh, proving some doubters wrong. They come from behind. They're 2-1 they're down. They're 2-1 down against Chelsea, who won the league last year. You shake your head. Some people are cynical about late comebacks like that when a team, when your opponent's got nothing to play for. Is there a reason to be cynical, or were they actually really, really good? Well, they're certainly better than they were. Did they deserve the to win this game? I thought Courtois had... A bit of a shocker. Mm. Two of the goals. Um, Isn't it Lolly Sean's fault when Courtois makes a mistake? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, th- I thought. Listen, if you've got a striker like Jermaine Defoe, you've always got a chance. Well, and um, he will be. If they stay up, he will be the difference. Mm. Would it be more accurate to say if you've got a striker like Fabio Borini, you always have a chance? But he's also improved under some other yeah. guys. So you've got Younes Cabour, you've got a chance as well. Yeah, mm. Sunderland are a decent team. They just start the season appallingly. Mm. Fifty-one goals Chelsea have conceded this season. Have you ever seen a worse goal than the winner for Sunderland where Mikel's touch, where we talk about communication, off air, yeah? Mm-hmm. Communication which defenders are meant to do. It's a gimme, yeah? Mikel, when he toe-pokes the ball, that flicks it on to Defoe. Yeah. It's such an easy clearance for a defender. I think it's Cahill, is it Cahill? Just inside him. This is it. It's my ball. The words "my ball" don't concede a goal because well, he's, a, he's a midfielder forced to but, play. But it's such an easy thing to do to, to, to communicate to... with the guy who's running from midfield to try and defend the cross, who's stretching his boot, his outside of his right foot, out to try and def- stop and block the ball. It's such an easy clearance by communicating. Is that how you read it? Like Absolutely, it was just like well, Mikel, well, Mikel, an accident, not recognised mm-hmm. where he is and who's who's next to him. But also, I think it's Kale. I'm not sure. It's a communication where you say to the player coming, it's my ball, and it's a simple clearance. And that's how the third goal came about. Mm. 
literally two minutes after going 2-2. Chelsea conceded 51. They've had a disaster, Chelsea, this year. Disaster. John Terry was sent off. Uh, this could be... He was not happy. He seemed to, to chuck his, uh, his captain's armband to the ground. I believe he was born December 7th, 1980, which means he he's was... He's 35 turn, at the moment. He's 35 at the moment, yes. Mm-hmm. This could be his last act in a Chelsea shirt. Now, obviously, mm. he divides opinion, obviously, especially off the pitch. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of things uh, for which he could be criticized about. But it is pretty remarkable, an 18-year career like that, and to think that it's going to end with a red card... Uh, well, first of all, is it? Husey, you've got the inside track, right? You have Michael on, on speed dial. Um, <laughs> not this week. But <laughs> probably not. Is the, There's no chance of them. Because the last I heard was two weeks ago that Conte still had to decide um, whether he was going to recommend to the club that they keep him. But is it... I think there's a, there's, a, there's always a chance with Chelsea in, until the last moment because um, they're a remarkable club and ultimately it will come down to the whim of two men, Conte and Aramovic. Um but Terry is expecting to leave people at the club are saying they still don't know but they expect him to leave so as it stands at the minute he's going which for whatever you think of him I just think is an extraordinary decision because he's still 35, still the best defender at the club, he's not had a great season he's had injuries. And he's Does that include suspended. Kurt Zuma? or are you just counting like injured Kurt no, Zuma? Well, Kurt Zuma potentially uh, well, could replace him but I think he would benefit from playing alongside John Terry, you only have to look at how much Gary Cahill has improved with Terry next to him and well, compare Cahill's in- Chelsea performances to his England performances, which are uniformly poor, to, to show um, what a positive influence he can be, despite mm. you know his various character mm. defaults. He's scored 66 goals in his career as well, um, which is which is a heck of a lot. Mm. I, I, and I wonder, and we'll get back to Terry's future in a second, but Cassie, is he going to lose guys like a little bit like Rio, or maybe like, at least this is my view of Rio, we didn't quite appreciate them enough when they were here. And then you kind of realize, mm. like, after they're gone, they're like, and, you know, and you're at the Euros and you're watching, no disrespect, Stones mm. and Jagielka and Chris Smalling. And you're thinking, like, eh, you know, no, well, that guy in his prime was pretty, pretty good. Not, was re- not from my perspective. Yeah. I think he's been incredibly good for Chelsea. I think he's been in f- probably up there. was certainly the best player that's played for the club. His achievements. So, but do you think the the media, we in general, football I think fans, there's the media a, well, have appreciated him, or has he just no? I think deep down, we'd that, all love to have him at our club. Really, I think there's that. Even uh, the Terry haters. Yeah, you know, I think everyone would look at John and go, "You'd want him at your football club because he makes everyone around him play." I tell you what, I've always said about John. He's a fantastic footballer as well as a defender. Very rarely will you see John give the ball away. He'll pass things and move things on from the back line. His heading ability, directing the ways he does when he defends a header, he'll find his colleague. He does it so often. He's done it all for his career. We just take it for granted that he does it. And I, I think he's the best ball user I've seen as a centre-half for a hell of a long time. His left Better. foot diagonals are yeah. incredible. Left foot diagonals yeah. are incredible. No one else, no, no other right-footed centre-half can play the ball long on his left yeah. foot like Terry can. I think he's up there with one of the very best I've seen. I'm well, really I think sure. the other centre-back who probably defined that, that generation would obviously be, be Rio. Mm. I'm going to ask you flat out, would you take Terry or Rio? I'll take Terry every day. I think Rio is a, side, a softer side, but I appreciate what Rio's got. I think he was obviously quicker than John. I, I think John would get more goals if you touched on. I think as a defender, he reads things slightly better. Maybe, I mean, look, you're, we're comparing very... T- Two top centre halves, but for me, Terry. Julian? Why, well, it's a tough one as well. I, I might go for Rio. Because you're at BT? No, 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 not <laughs> for that, not for that. But, um, 
you know, on the pitch, off the pitch as well, I think matters. Yeah. But to come yeah. back on, 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 on Terry, if I'm Antonio Conte, with the record that Conte has with defenders, especially, and mm. we, you know, we saw a Juve, I keep him every day. Mm. And I'd be, I'd be you, really surprised. Do you think he I mean, will? Think I'm hoping he will. He will I'd be surprised. I mean, you know Conte more than all of us, but I'd be surprised if Conte said, yeah, get rid of him. Really, so because he age, does do age that, is nothing. Also, it puts huge pressure on whoever comes in to replace him. Mm. And it's yeah, as well, Chelsea yeah. aren't in the and Champions League. There's not many the players Conte wants, like Bonucci, are going to be pretty hard to get. Yeah, at exactly. I mean, if you get Bonucci, then it's not a problem. Yeah, but, it, but, but it, if you it, don't, it, then tell us what you think. You is he is he a guy that loves experienced guys who have been yeah. around? So does he? Does he embrace? I don't know. I've been told I already share my opinions way too much on this, and I should just be sort of a more. Yeah, but more I'm asking. You. No, come on. Oh god. When, only when he tells you. So you don't know the answer, then you're basically no. saying. No, but, <laughs> so obviously, Terry is a Conte type player. Yeah. Right. He represents all those qualities on the pitch and in training that 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 Conte would embrace. A little bit of what Conte was like mm. as a player. I would say there's a couple things though that would make him. A little bit uneasy. One is that Cahill has extended his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Zuma's injured, but he will be back at some point. Do you want to be stuck in a situation again mm. with these three center ha- center halves, and you can't bring in the guy you want to bring in? If you want to have the option of playing a back three, you need a ball playing center half. I don't think he feels you can play a back three with with Terry. You know, Terry's good on the ball, but I don't think mm. you can do that, right? Because the way teams press, you need at least one guy who can bring the ball out. And you're not going to go and and if you play a back three, then you're not going to play Vanovic a wing back. So then you've got him, you know, in the mix as well. You got four center halves, and it's like, yeah, all right, I can't bring in the guy I want to. That's one aspect. Another aspect is, I'm sure Antonio Conte has read plenty of Duncan Castles and others who suggest that Terry isn't always the best influence with the ownership and so on. And sometimes if he doesn't like the manager, he can get in the way. To what degree it's true or not? Most of that isn't true though. What really. I mean, the fact. Well, it's funny because if you talk to Carlo Ancelotti, he'll tell you it's not true. Yeah. The guy was fine the whole time he was yeah. here. If you talk to some other managers, Scalari, well, yeah, Portuguese, more, I, I, exactly, I, more, 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 more recent, recently, <laughs> Iberians maybe in general. Um, <laughs> they, so it depends on the personality. What I would say is Ancelotti is a lot easier to get along with than Antonio Conte is. Mm. One last thing I want to ask about: if you're Chelsea, uh, let's cast our mind. Uh, Let's pretend that you're, I'm trying to think, who's, let's pretend you're Marina, because I think ultimately it might be her decision. Then you'd all be women, and you'd have a different set of genitals. But apart from that, <laughs> you don't know if Terry's staying. So what do you do in the last day of the season? Do you have some sort of send-off? He's obviously suspended, right? But you know mm-hmm. that if you ask him to be in the stands in full kit with his shin pads and everything, you'll do that. <laughs> do you have him go out on the pitch and like do a lap of honor and say goodbye? And then kind of do it again if he extends his contract when he does retire or what do you do how do you handle this from a media perspective a simple being judging by him as you're listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. They'll do nothing. When Ashley Cole and Frank Lampard left, they were just, hmm. you know... Yeah, I know, but little, I like to little think... little solitary wave to the crowd. I like to think it. there's a learning curve there, Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. John Terry, you know... I know they both came from West Ham, but John Terry was at the club longer than, 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 than Lampard and... Yeah, no, but if, if you do anything, you're kind of announcing that he's going, which maybe they don't want to do yet. But maybe look, they want to wait. No, but that's surely they should know by now. You should not, be so. speaking to John Terry this week and saying to him, sit him down and say, John, this is the situation with the club. If they turn around and say, OK, and John's got to hold his head up, either way, whatever decision they're making is for the, for the benefit of the club. If they turn around and say, OK, John, you're not going to get rewarded with a new contract. We've got lots of ideas. We've appreciated what you've done for us. You're a big part of this football club. Tell us what you would like to do. You know, I'm sure human beings could come to some sort of arrangement of... John should know in the final week of his, his playing career at Chelsea, which he's not going to play, obviously, next week, he should be given an answer. Okay. Out of his total respect. Let me give you a different scenario. Would the club... I mean, I agree with you. That's what the club should do. Yeah. I think that would be the grown-up move. Yeah. But what if they lose, like, 3-0 to Leicester or something, and everybody's unhappy, and then they trot out John Terry, and everybody starts singing his name, and you have, like, you know, and 40 what? million people shouting obscenities... 40,000 40, people shouting obscenities at Michael and Manalo and at Marina and saying, like, sign him up, sign him up, sign him up. And then that is kind of, like, your last... No, you just, you just, just take it. It's it's just, take you all not believe it. No, Rich is one of the most ruthless men in the world. He's not going to care what. So is Marina as well. This is the man who appointed Rafa Benitez. Marina's not a man. No, but she's she's ruthless woman. I just cannot believe it's not sorted already. You can't. It's, it can't be up in the air. I think John Terry knows. John Terry knows. Chelsea know, and and that's it. And he's going to he's going to be in the suit. They know for sure. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. They have not made a decision yet. Well, they should be making impossible. it very what, soon. Well, if they have, they haven't. I don't think they've communicated it yeah. to the new manager. Yeah. So, what's, what's, what are they waiting for? Remember, we want to see what other targets they can get. I don't know. Right, enough, John Terry. All right, so in our debate, uh, two things which are slightly UEFA related. We're going to start with uh, with Michelle Platini and its news of the last few minutes that the Court of Arbitration for Sport has uh, failed to overturn the six year ban. So he's going to resign his position as UEFA president, which we kind of knew. I suppose UEFA will have to figure out, well, A, they're going to need a new president at some point because obviously they, I'm sure they don't want to go into the Euros and have freaking VR go. And I mean, that would really be an embarrassment for yeah. everybody. I want to get your thoughts a little bit because obviously, you know, he's been he's been found guilty of this disloyal payment and stuff. I personally... Maybe I shouldn't do this. Some people believe that, you know, if you misappropriate uh, uh, a pencil, it's as bad as stealing 10 million uh, pounds. I personally disagree. But um, I think there's degrees to this. But obviously, he, he did have a big impact on the game, especially the, the European game. Uh, Julian, your, your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think he fought really hard and spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money as well to try to clear his name. I agree with you. I think he'd been, he's been a bit harshly done. I have to say. Um, I'm not sure he's as bad as some others. I'm not saying he's the best either, but I think he, he gave some good things to the game. Some others, I'm not so sure. But I think he's been he's been harshly done and harshly treated, badly treated, and, and I think that's a bit unfair. And, and again, we, it's, it's what I've, I've always said when we've spoken to him, it's such a shame that someone who's been so good at football, 
was such a great player, one of the legends of the game, at least for us French, would always be remembered as the former UFA president who did this, who did that, who suspended for six years, instead of for the great number 10 he was for France, for Juventus, for all the other clubs he played for. And to tarnish his image like that and his reputation and all of that, I think it's, it's a bit, it's, it's sad and it's harsh. I disagree, actually. I think he's, um, he's had a good run, as they say. He's clearly embedded in the whole unofficial system of corruption um, surrounding FIFA and UEFA for years and years. His role in the Qatar vote and Sarkozy and all that does merit closer inspection. And I think. What closer inspection can there be than him saying, yeah, I voted for Qatar? He was not the yeah, only one. Not, it's not, not, like, only it's him. not like he's. I mean, I, I, I take your point there, right? But there's plenty of people who've, who, who voted for Qatar and then denied it, right? Yes. He was straight up about it from the start. Yeah, but he didn't tell you why. Nobody believes him. Right, well, okay. Yeah. Particularly where we are in football at the moment, it just looks really bad. And yeah. I think football needs to move on from the kind of right. blatter pliniaxis. And while it is a personal tragedy for him, I think it could be good for the game in mm. the long run. So you could have moved him on without all that around. But, but I think in that sense, they did. They probably did give him the out, saying, like, look, we'll drop this if you mm. just walk away. I don't think you necessarily have to behave that way to to get elected. And remember, when he got elected, you know, as UEFA president, that was years later. And I think they generally did a pretty good job running UEFA. You know, I know there's always people going to complain, financial fair play and this and that. Mm. But, you know, I think football's in a European football and is a pretty decent place. There haven't been allegations of corruption within UEFA, certainly, or mis- mismanagement mm. of funds or whatever. It's nothing like FIFA, let alone CONCACAF and Commable, which yeah. obviously we found out are total cesspits. Mm. What I just find extraordinary in this, and, and I'll mention another guy, there's a guy named Harold Maine Nichols, who, in spite of his name, is actually uh, a Chilean. This dude got a four-year ban, I think, or it's certainly multiple years, because he was the guy who did the, he ran the committee that did inspections on, on the World Cup sites, and he gave Qatar the lowest ranking. But he also... He sent an email where he asked if a relative of his could have an unpaid internship or, you know, how could so-and-so, how does he apply for uh, an unpaid internship, right? For that, the guy gets a four-year ban. When I see stuff like this, that this guy's gone, and I see other individuals who are there, and I can't name them, but I invite you to do some Googling because two of them might be from countries bordering on the Mediterranean, <laughs> right? Um, and that's just within within... within you know, the ones coming from Europe. When you see these other grotesque figures in other countries, you kind of realize, well, justice, I think, is being a little bit selective here. Mm. When you see the fact that Sepp Blatter, he has not even been charged yet over this whole disloyal payment thing, right? He got his ban, but he's not been, he's not been charged under Swiss law. It's like they're running this investigation, but they haven't charged him yet. You know, you kind of wonder whether the law is the same for everybody, but it's more the same for, for, for certain people. I mean, that's the only thing that, that, that kind of gets me. And I think there has to be some level of proportionality here. Some people, Jack Warner, Jack Warner's come out, his appeals process, he said, he's, he's changed some laws in Trinidad. His extradition process could last nine years now, they're saying. Nine <laughs> years? I think there's a lot of stuff that yeah. is a bit dubious. Not dubious is the fact that Liverpool are in the Europa League final. Somebody, I'm told somebody on, on the world feed uh, of this game said that Liverpool will face Seville in the playoffs for a Champions League spot. Is that unkind, Julian? Why would it be unkind? To the Europa League. Oh, no, because I think, I think to, get, to get 
a place in the Champions League has, has made it even more interesting and it's an, an extra incentive you're not you're not going to get rich by winning the Europa League it is a European trophy but you know, it obviously doesn't mean as much as the Champions League. The object of football is to go and win competition, yeah, not just yeah, to get rich. Yeah, no, but it's even better if you win a competition that gives you a lot of money, right. brings you a lot of money in, and also gives you a place in the Champions League. Yeah. Maybe, may, think... maybe a bit unfair and not very romantic in this season of romance, but if you asked any club in the world, can you win a, a cup or be in the Champions League next season, they would all sign for the latter. No yeah. question. And the fact I that agree. you can do both is perfect. It's exactly. great. It yeah. gives it exactly. added, exp- added prestige. And, uh... and, and they're two sides that have been really on good form and I think it's going to be a great final. One thing that strikes me is, Husey, if you're going to see Klopp between now and the final, but <laughs> if or, or Julian, if you do, I, actually, I'd love you to ask him that very question and say, if God appeared to you and said, Jürgen, you've been the Europa League in your first you know, six months here, but you won't get to the Champions League. In other words, if you had to make that choice, lose a final, get to the Champions League, or win the final and no Champions League, what would you choose? Because I'd love to put the, what, what Hughes yeah. just said to the test of of somebody who's actually there, who's a manager, who's on the pitch every day, whether mm. deep down in his heart he would feel that way as well. I think Klopp would go for the Europa League. Mm. He, would I, be, he would be incredible. Like the if they win too. it, yeah. yeah. He'd be incredible. And then, Especially having the, the, you know, the FA Cup final and uh, you know, they've played that and then gave the Europa League. I think he's a guy who just wants what to win FA things. Cup final? No, the, oh, the semi. League Cup. League yeah, Cup. League Cup. They also play in red. Sorry, League Cup. <laughs> I'm getting confused, but League Cup. But I think he's a guy that wants to win things. I always get that feeling from him that winning things is the most important and qualifying is not as important. I don't think I'm outing you the way I might out some of our other colleagues to say you that... You do it every week. As a, as a child, you were a Liverpool fan? As a child? I'm 53 and I'm still a Liverpool okay. fan. <laughs> <laughs> what, would, what would matter more to you? Winning the Europa League. Than, than getting to the Champions League. Mm. Like I said, and it's great if you're a Liverpool fan, you can do both, provided you get past uh, Unai Emery and Sevilla. Anybody have any rational explanation about why this is their third consecutive final? Because they're good. Because they're the best of the rest, aren't they? Basically. Who's the uh, director of football Monty, there? Monty. He's, everybody speaks so highly of him. Is he as a genius as what? Or well, he's been doing this for a very, very long, long time. time. Yeah. He's had some pretty big misses as well, yeah. especially yeah. of late. One of the things that always strikes me is that it's really hard I think people don't quite realize, like nailing all your transfers is especially it's, when you yeah, operate. Yeah, it's impossible. It's it's really. I mean, Has even like remember how we were all going. All yeah, but like Gab said, some some have worked very well and more than others. Yeah, but, but that is inevitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what we're well, saying. Well, we say yeah. that, but like for example, like we, we, we you know these past weeks we've been going on and on about oh you know the brilliant Leicester analytics Steve Walsh, mm. <laughs> what a genius, right? And he's done a phenomenal job. But if you look at where they spent their money on, he also signed a lot of guys who never contributed. Yeah. Kramerich, yeah, most expensive yeah. ever signing. Ben Alouan, who I think is their third most He's expensive. Already, yeah. Inler. Inler. Is Ben Alouan gone? Because I thought yeah. I saw him. Did he come back just for the celebration? I think so, no. <laughs> I, I, I know he's gone, but I was just, when I saw him there, I'm like, well, what did you do? Like, take a day off to come here and like, <laughs> jump around in your kit? Richie Delat was the best, though. After winning promotion with Borough, coming back to Leicester in his suit and then ending up on the pitch... In his kit, in his Leicester kit, four hours after being in his ball kit. It's yeah. just like, wow. Big but respect. Ben Alouan, actually, it was a big thing in the, supposedly, actually, I shouldn't say this, not that bad. Supposedly made an inquiry about whether he'd be eligible for, for a medal. Yeah. No, not anymore now. Uh, now no, they no. give you 25 and you basically pick. You decide who deserves it. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's more trouble with the ticket allocation for a European yeah. final. I'm slightly in two minds about this. 
That's right. So we have the usual thing where the majority of the tickets go to the sponsors and blah, blah, blah. And people complain and you'll get it towards like, why can't the real football fans go? Blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason the real football fans can't go is because they give the money to the sponsors because the sponsors go and put money <laughs> into the game. And that's what pays the players' salaries. So until a football club comes along and says, you know what? We want our fans to go. So maybe we'll make a statement by buying some of these tickets off the sponsors and making them available to our fans. Or we don't want this sponsorship, you know. Yokohama Tires, man, sorry. You're not getting 100 tickets for this final, right? We don't want this part of the sponsorship relating to, to, to Gazprom. Gazprom. Exactly. I hate this hypocrisy where the the organizing body gets all the blame for this, for the sponsors, while, while the clubs, you know, quietly go and count their cash, right? Or indeed the players, because ultimately they're, they're the guys who get it. So, but that said, this is, I think this is the second smallest stadium to, to host yeah, uh, a not. European final. Yeah. UEFA's reasoning is when the last time they had uh, uh, Seville, and obviously they picked these like a year in advance, but yeah. when it was Benfica against Seville, I think it was two years ago in Turin, it was something like, I think what was it, like 35,000, there was something like 20,000 empty seats, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Part of the reason there were that many empty seats, it has to be said, is because... Benfica beat Juventus in the semifinal that year. The final was in Turin. So Juve fans yeah. <laughs> went nuts and they went and they bought all and these tickets. And they, they basically, no, they hoovered up every ticket that they could and then they couldn't be bothered to go and sell them on to Benfica and Seville. But I can also understand how if you're a Seville, a Seville fan, it's the third Europa League final, you might not be as bothered about going. But the bottom line is it seems grotesque that Liverpool, you know, with 20, what is it, 27,000 season ticket holders, more than that? Wow. They're only getting 8,000. Yeah, it's a cock-up, but I guess UEFA aren't stupid. I mean, they must look at the history of UEFA Europa Cup final attendances and pick up an appropriate ground. One would think. I remember going to Hamburg for full Atletico. That wasn't full. Generally, the clubs that reach the finals of these competitions don't have huge fan bases. And I mm. guess if English clubs want to play in big stadiums, they should probably take the competition a bit more seriously. And then they'd be in the final more often and they'd be played in big grounds. Wow. Why are they, why you, are they choosing Gaia. the stadium so early, though? Well, why, why you, for example, don't they wait? They need the road to Seville, the road to Bali. Yeah, yeah, you know, because the, 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 there's all these logistical things around around a final that you have to organize with the sponsors and stuff like that. I mean, again, we can go and keep claiming the sponsors, right? The money keeps. There might be a better way to choose your final stage, you know? maybe later but in the season, I don't know, something like that, to make sure that those kind of problems don't, don't happen. Yeah, I know, so. but the problem is. If Villarreal knock out Liverpool, then you have a Villarreal-Seville final, and in the meantime, you've booked the big stadium, and True. there's nobody there. You know. Right, on to our quick hits. Leicester City celebrated their title with a 3-1 win over Everton. Cass, what was your favorite part? Was it Andrea Bocelli <laughs> pregame? Was it Ranieri getting doused in champagne by Christian Fuchs, which, by the way, our old colleague Martin Samuel really did not appreciate? Or my favorite part was it that guy like smiling ear to ear, walking around with a portrait of the King of Thailand? And I think to myself like, is this your job in life? I think it's a no-brainer. It's the guy walking around, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it was just a, such a funny. It was a funny day. I mean, hey, well, I, Ranieri is brilliant. I just love the way that he carries on an act. But I think that it was a, a day of lots of special moments and things that happened. But the guy with the umbrella was the best by a mile. My favorite part was I thought it wasn't an umbrella; it was a portrait. I, I, well, before I realized it was the King of Thailand, umbrella. I thought like I'm getting a lot wrong. My God, today, aren't I? I, I, I I thought it was actually a portrait of the president of the club. 
and I thought of the owners, and I thought, my God, I hope one day I get as rich as him, so that way I can pay a guy to walk around behind me holding yeah, a gold God. portrait of me. <laughs> I mean, that, to me, that would just be like That'd the most awesome thing. Tottenham stumbled at home against Southampton, losing 2-1. But here's the, I guess it's understandable, given last Monday's events. In 25 seconds or less, what does Daniel Levy have to do to make them finish even higher next year than this year? Spend some money. Need a bigger squad. They've been really lucky that Harry Kane hasn't been injured. To have one striker all season, incredibly fortuitous that it hasn't hit them, made them suffer. And I think we've seen with Dembele and Dyer how much they, Dembele and Ali, sorry, how much they've missed in the last week or so that they need more quality in there. Yesterday, their midfield was pretty moribund and they need some more players. Wow, you did it in 19 wow. seconds. It's professional. West Ham blow whatever residual top four chances they had as they get beat up uh, by Francesco Guidolin's excellent Swansea. Uh, and that home, no less. Julian, can you find fault here, or is it just one of those things? No, I, th- I thought everything went, went against them when, when Swansea's way. They were very clinical, very efficient, and, and West Ham players looked like they, they would have rather be somewhere on the beach in Essex than, than, than at the ground on, on Saturday. So it's one, one of those you forget very quickly and you move on to the next game. There you go. So chin up, Slavin. Norwich lose at home to Manchester United, and it would take several miracles rolled into one for them to avoid relegation. Cass, Alex Neal was a great story and all, but should Delia keep him around? Well, I think that Norwich might look at Burnley, look at Sean Dyche, and the way that they bounce back and the way the club's structured. I think that they'll... But Sean Dyche is tall. No, Alex Neal is small. as in what he achieved by relegation and coming back and in the manner they did. And I think that Norwich feels like a club that's run very well, and but... He didn't have goals, and if you don't get goals, you can't win enough football matches. Speaking of Manchester United, if they win at Upton Park and follow up with a victory over Bournemouth, they're in the Champions League. Husey, you were a huge Louis van Gaal fan at the start of the season. I remember you even saying he's been a success everywhere he went, for which I contradicted you and then got chastised by some idiot on Twitter, possibly uh, one of your many fans. But anyway, he gets appointed. He then has a wobble. Is your faith now restored? I think it was the start of last season. Yes, it was. To correct you. Yeah. Not this season. Sorry. Not really. I think, as with Pellegrini earlier, it's pretty hard to make a case that United have progressed under Van Gaal. Even if they scrape into the top four, win a cup, they've not really advanced from where David Moyes had them significantly, which, given he spent £250 million, is unforgivable, really. And I think he has to go. Newcastle are held at Aston Villa, and I guess their Rafa bounce is uh, over and done with. Uh, Julian, are you ready to say that they're down? And could Rafa have done more? Uh, they're not done yet, and I'm, I'm still hoping that we could have a final twist on, on the last day of the season. And I don't think Rafa can be blamed. I think he, he came in and, and, and did well, considering what the, situ- what the situation was, where the, the team was at the time. I think the one to blame is that Steve McLaren clown. Gab, one for you. It's that time of year when league titles get decided. Break the suspense. Who won in Germany? And, well, you had it. Update us on Spain and Holland too. All right, so plenty of time to get into this. Unsurprisingly, Pep Guardiola and Bayern Munich won in Germany. And that's hence the endless debates about whether he was a failure because of the Champions League semi-final exit. You could read my thoughts on it in the game today. Needless to say, I don't think he was a failure. In Spain, it was uh, pretty dramatic. Atletico are out of the race. They lost to uh, second bottom, already relegated Levante, uh, with a winning <laughs> goal scored by, by, my, by my man Pepito Rossi. And... Uh, by the way, it's one of those like, where else but in Spain, you know, type situations. But more importantly, Barcelona and Real Madrid both won, which uh, means 
it's going to be pretty hard uh, for Barcelona not to win the title. They uh, play Granada the last day of the season, while Real Madrid, uh, who are a point behind, take on uh, Deportivo La Coruña. And in Holland, <laughs> absolutely fantastic cast. I know you did the game. You can chime in with your thoughts if uh, if, if you like, uh, because we haven't given the Eredivisie uh, enough love. But I'll just mm. set the scene for you. Ajax and PSV going into the final game of the season, level on points. Ajax have a, a six-point lead in goal difference. Ajax are away to some team called De Groff Shop, which isn't from De Groff Shop. It's from some place called Dokitink or whatever the heck it's called. And PSV are away to Pekzvole, who have nothing mm. to play for. Mm. And De Groff Shop, by the way, they're not already down, but they're already in this, they're mathematically in the, the relegation Playoff. playoffs, yeah, playoffs. Uh, which is this pretty cool thing which they have in Holland, mm. which I think other countries should adopt as well. Uh, what happened next, Cass? Well, I was doing the PSV game. And to be honest, early on in the game, we'd heard that Ajax had gone 1-0 up against the team second from bottom. Supposedly in uh, abroad, we, we think teams that have nothing to play for um, foul miserably and don't try. Well, they got a 1-1 draw against Ajax. And I'm doing the PSV game thinking, oh, the game's going to end and we have to stay on air for another 20 minutes because the celebrations all come out and the parade of PSV. I was shocked. I could not believe that Ajax uh, would not get a result against the team second from bottom. Well, the gulf is so huge in Holland between PSV and I, uh, PSV and Ajax are so far clear of the third team final that you just could not imagine the team second from bottom. Like you said in Spain, Levante getting a result. You know, just incredible. Would it have helped if Frank de Boer hadn't removed his ah, forward? Milik, he took Milikov centre-forward and played a centre-half up front for the remainder of the last, what, 15, 20 minutes of the game. Counterintuitive. Right, that's all we've got for this week. Many, many thanks to my guests today, Julian Lawrence, Matt Hughes, and Tony Cascarino. Absolute pleasure having them all uh, live in the studio as well. Please press that subscribe button. We're going to be back next week uh, following the final game of the Premier League season. I'm extremely excited. You can get exclusive football highlights free as part of your subscription. It's just £12 for a 12-week trial. Uh, you get video highlights of different sports. You get Matthew Syed. You get Henry Winter. Uh, you get all your favorite writers, and not just them, but Rory Smith as well. Uh, so just search The Times online. Till next time, bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.